chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to pray. Yesterday we had an ODAX board meeting here, and uh, several things came up in it. Do pray for all the schools this week. Uh, this coming week, uh, student bodies will be making their way to Bob Jones uh, for the competition. Pray for safety as they travel. And uh, pray for Brother Dan as he finishes up some things there. And then it's back into some legislation work and uh, still dealing with the, uh, the license issue on, uh, on daycare uh, for, for ministries and religious exemption. A new memo came out this week that he's working on for us. And uh, we found, I found out yesterday I may have to give my parking place up here at the church. Uh, you know, there's a place in the back that says reserve pastor. Is, that's his parking place. And I found this out yesterday. There is a movement in Washington that says that I'm going to have to put that parking place on my benefits. And I'm going to have to pay taxes on the parking place. Now, don't laugh. That's not funny. I'm as serious as a heart attack. And uh, any, any staff member that has a designated parking place, Brother Todd Abbey, who's the pastor up at Fellowship or uh, uh, Fairfax Baptist Temple, uh, he said, well, you tell me this, what's the, it's just not right. He said, Brother Sumter's parking place, is it going to be taxed like my parking place is in Fairfax County? He said, I'm going to have the highest parking space in the state from where we are. Then he said, now, if they do that, what's next? Are they going to start taxing where you sit in the auditorium? And uh, he said, if they do that, they need to start at the back and work to the front. The, the ones in the back are the highest tax, and the ones in the low are the, frontest, uh, the, are the cheapest tax. He said, that will be the best way to move our congregations forward, is taxing the seats. And then he said, well, one of the preachers from down in southwest Virginia said, well, I'll tell you what, brothers. I'm going to take my reserve for pastor parking sign down and put one up that says, park here and be shot. <laughs> he said, I think people will still get the idea with it. But uh, I want you to pray, uh, still working with that legislative things. And Brother Dan was telling us yesterday, we did find out that one of those who leads the way in what we would call opposition for against us uh, is actually a member of an independent Baptist church here in the city of Richmond. And uh, so they're scheduling some time to sit down and get to know each other. But I want you to pray for what he is doing. Uh, there was bills that got put in place because of uh, some of the things that happened with our governor, our lieutenant governor, and our attorney general. Uh, suddenly those went away before they were voted on as things got very quiet. Brother Jack Knapp was telling Sonia on Sunday, he said, did you hear what West Virginia is doing? And uh, she said, no, what are they doing? said, well, their name is West Virginia, and they're so tired of what's happening politically with the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general in the state of Virginia. They're petitioning to change their name to Eastern Kentucky. And uh, so uh, uh, strange things going on. Pray for our country. Pray for our government. Ephesians chapter 3 tonight. Last Wednesday night, we looked at Paul. As he said, I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. But we know that he, in a human form, was a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of the Jews. He didn't see himself as that way. But his circumstances were there. The Jews had pressed charges. The Romans had arrested him. Paul would have been released. In fact, it was said of him, he hasn't done anything wrong. 
and they would have released him, yet he had appealed to Rome, and so he was kept and for five years in prison. And I told you last week, I just think Paul was that kind of man who could not sit still long, and he loved the church and he loved to preach, and God slowed him down and put him in prison that he might write the epistles in the New Testament, some 13 books of the New Testament written by Paul, and tonight he still speaks to us. And uh, tonight we're going to look at this, Paul the pioneering preacher. And then uh, we won't get all the way through this tonight. We're coming back on next Wednesday night. We're going to look at the word preacher. Tonight we're going to look at pioneer. What does he mean, a pioneer? Ephesians chapter 3, let's begin at verse number 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye had heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now you ought to at least make a mental mark this mystery. What is this mystery? He made known unto me, unto Paul, the mystery. And then it says, As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it now revealed uh, unto, uh, unto His holy apostles and prophets by His Spirit. Here's that word again, that. Verse number 6, that the Gentiles should be heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me, by the effectual working of his power. Verse number 1 presented him as the prisoner. We know that Paul was, uh, as he said, a prisoner of Christ. If Paul had been a prisoner of his circumstances, Paul would have by all means been a miserable man. There's a lot of people in Christianity today who are prisoners of their circumstances. And they don't claim that they're prisoners of Christ. But Paul, remember as we ended last Wednesday evening, Paul said this, I would, brethren, the things that have happened unto me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. He's saying, I'm not a prisoner of the circumstances and the issues of life. I am where I am because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, when we come in verse number 1, we see that Paul, his intention in chapter 3 was to pray a prayer for the church. But he gets sidetracked in 13 verses, and it's not until verse 14 that he picks up with that prayer and begins and moves on with that. Paul draws back the, the veil of the mystery tonight, and I suggest to you tonight he is talking about the church. Now, hang on before, we, before you conclude that one thought. Remember in the Old Testament, and that's where the Jews had been living, was in the Old Testament, the focus and the point of focus had been the Jews, the nation of Israel, and God's goodness to them. Now, I want to remind you of this tonight. The church is not the Jew. We are not the Jews. There are still certain things that are reserved for God's chosen people, the Jews. However, we are the church. And the Bible tells us this, that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for the church. And Paul is going to open this mystery, something about the church. 
Notice, if you would, number one, the Paul the pioneer, and we find it in verse 1 through verse number 6. These verses sort of form a, a parenthesis around what Paul is saying. In other words, it's trying to amplify. It's an ex explanatory type phrase here. He wants the church to understand who they are in Christ. He wants them to understand the amazing grace. He wants them to understand the power of God that there is in salvation. He wants the church to know that it's not an accident that they are where they are. It is the purpose of God. Remember when he started, he said, for this cause. Now, in view of that, Paul turns away from his original thought to tell us more about this mystery of the church. His words reveal him to be a pioneer in the early church. Look at the first part of it in verse number 2, if you would, please. There's the ministry that was given to Paul. Paul is breaking new ground. You see, the Jews were having a very difficult time going from the Old Testament to accepting the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that he came to his own and his own received him not. They rejected him. We'll read in a few moments a little bit of one of Paul's sermons and other sermons who tell the Jews, He came, but you killed him. He came, but you rejected him. So Paul is talking about this ministry. Paul says that he was given, notice the word, a dispensation. A dispensation. Now that word means this, a stewardship, an administration, a management, a person who is responsible to manage or responsible to steward or administer the business of another. Somebody give me a name of somebody in the Bible that you think of when we say that. Joseph, exactly. Remember, Joseph was put in a place that he was the steward or he was the CFO, so to speak, or the CEO of all that the leader had. He was in charge of it all, and he was accountable for it all. So it's to manage a household or a business or something that has been entrusted to them. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 16. Let's read a story for just a couple of minutes, verse 1 through 3. As Paul says, this dispensation or this stewardship, I've been put in a place to manage. I've been put in a place to administer. I've been put in this place to steward something that is not mine. And he's talking again about the church. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse number 1. And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now, again, that steward was under the rich man and was placed in a place of administration or management. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Now, it doesn't say that he'd stolen anything. It doesn't say that there was misappropriations of funds in here. It just says that he's wasted his goods. Look at verse 2. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. Give an account of your administration, of your management, of what you've done. For thou mayest be no longer a steward. In other words, he's going to remove that dispensation or that management from him. Verse 3, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. What in the world is going to happen to my life if that stewardship is taken off? 
So we need to understand tonight that when Paul says, this dispensation has been given to me, God put on him a ministry dispensation of management, stewardship, and leadership of what Christ loved, and that was the church. So we need to understand that, that the ministry was given unto him. Paul was given the oversight of doing something that no one else had done, and that was taking the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. Now, the Jews had a hard enough time accepting Christ as the Messiah, and many of them rejected it. But to think that Paul was going to take the gospel, which was meant for them, and take it to the Gentiles, that helps us understand why they were so angry at Paul. Would you note this with me from Scripture? Prejudice is not a new thing. Prejudice is as old as mankind. Now, Paul did not choose this ministry for himself. He said, this ministry was appointed unto me. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 13. But Paul wants the readers to know that he is not some self-appointed in this management or administration, but that God had placed him there. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Continue on in 1 Corinthians 9. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for the necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So what, what again is he saying? He's going back to that word that he used a few moments ago, that dispensation. Woe unto me if I do not steward the ministry, if I don't administer the ministry that God has given unto me. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And Joseph, again, is the fine example for that. Paul was compelled to preach the gospel because the Lord had chosen him for that exact dispensation of grace. And God had given him what he needed to do with that. So dispensation, stewardship, administration, management. Now we each have been given a dispensation for ourselves. God has given gifts to each of us to use in our life to be a witness. The prime gift that he has given to us is the promise that we studied on Sunday. The promise is this, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, through the vine Jesus Christ, bears fruit in our lives. We call that the fruit of the Spirit. Those are things that are given to us to steward, to manage. Now, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10, Peter says here, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Like Paul, we have, a, we have a ministry, we have a duty, we have something that we didn't take upon ourselves, but it is cast upon us, it's put upon us 
Paul said, this was, this was not my choice, this is what God did. Look, if you would, now at the second part, B, verse 3 through 5, the mystery that is given. Uh, Paul makes it clear that he's been given a revelation of a mystery. Now, the word mystery is this, having to do with this, uncovering. Something unknown that is brought to light. So what is this mystery if he's talking about the church? Revelation, uncovering or bringing to light. The word mystery is that hidden thing, the secret counsels of God. Paul is saying that God has lifted a veil away from the truths that were hidden in God. We didn't hear a lot about this in the Old Testament, but now grace has come and things are going to change. The Jews reject Jesus. And God says, okay, take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now let me tell you this. Everyone in this room ought to rejoice that God told Paul, take the gospel to the Gentiles. Because if he had not, the likelihood of our being saved changes greatly. You see, this was not a mystery that was known by the ancients. Moses and Abraham and David and these men of the Old Testament, they didn't know, they didn't know and understand the mystery of what was coming in the New Testament as the church. They just knew the nation of Israel. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 3, God promised Abraham this. He said, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He didn't say all the families of Israel. He said all the families of the earth. So there was a hint of the mystery in the Old Testament. We have read through that and over it time after time. I have preached through that passage of Scripture. I will, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But do you know what that means? The Gentile families. All the families of the earth. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So the Old Testament is now brought into the New Testament in Galatians. It's quoted in Galatians, but Galatians 3.8, the first part of that, and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, just like He would the Jew. Now Isaiah wrote of it this way, and he said, It's a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest, or that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So again, in the Old Testament, it's still a mystery, but we're given a hint. That in the New Testament, and under the blood of Christ, that the gospel was going to go not just to Israel, and not just to the Jew, but to the heathen, and as Isaiah says it, to the Gentile, like to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 13. Would you turn there, please? Acts chapter 13. No one fully understood that truth until the revelation came when Paul said this. 
God has revealed something to me. God has given me a dispensation, a responsibility, a management, an administration that nobody has had up to this point. In Acts chapter 13, look at verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So Paul is slowly revealing this mystery. The mystery of the church now moving past just the nation of Israel and moving to the Gentile. Verse number 4, Paul says that he wants his readers to understand his knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So just for the record, though, tonight, let me say this. No one is getting any new dispensation or any, any new revelations today. Don't let anybody tell you I have a new revelation from heaven. The Bible is finished. It's sealed. We have all of God's Word on everything that He wants us to have and know. So nobody should pop up and say to us now, well, God gave me a revelation He gave to no one else. The days of that have passed. Everything that we need to know concerning God and concerning spiritual things is written in the Bible that you hold in your hands tonight. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking again to young Timothy. And he tells young Timothy this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. Remember we read this verse on Sunday evening. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, you tell me, may be what? Thoroughly furnished. So that we have everything that we need to know is our is at our disposal. I've told you this so many times, but it made an impact on my life when I remember it. Just before taking an exam in one of my Bible classes in college, Dr. Lakin was the professor at that time. And he said this, You may be born ignorant, but it's your fault if you stay ignorant. If you say to me, I don't understand what God's will is for me, you're telling me you're not in His Word. Because... His will for you is not some secret mystery. It's not His desire for you to go on a treasure hunt to find His will. Now when we think that today the revelation is closed and that God has given us His word and it's profitable for us and we have four reasons that it's profitable and we know the purpose that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Look at verse 6, and we have our third portion, letter C, the message he was given. Paul has already touched on the mystery in Ephesians 1, verse 9 through 12. We were there in Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. We studied there. So what is the mystery Paul has been given? The truth that the Gentiles have been included alongside the Jews in God's plan for the church. It's hard for us to understand just how revolutionary the truth of this news must have been in Paul's day. Do you know why they hated Paul? Do 
Do you know why they sought to kill Paul? We're getting just a glimpse of it tonight. They, they hated Paul. They were doing their best to do away with Paul because Paul had taken the gospel to their enemy. Those that they were prejudiced against. The hatred of the Gentiles. And it allowed no fellowship. There was no fellowship between the Jew and the Gentile. Now notice, I want you to notice what Paul says about the Gentiles. Notice the content of this mystery. We want to see the facts behind the mystery. Look at this. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Aliens from the commonwealth of, the, of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God. In the world. That's chapter 12, uh, 2 and verse number 12. The Gentiles now possess the same legal standing as the Jews. Can you imagine the hatred? The Gentiles are fellow heirs. All, they have all the same blessings. They're no longer strangers. They're no longer outside. They're no longer aliens. They're now what we are, sons of God, fellow heirs. But look at the next one. Not just that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, but the Gentiles are of the same body. They share Jesus Christ in common. Every cell of our bodies physically tonight, every cell in us lends to life. And in God's eyes, every believer is absolutely, absolutely important. Every believer, Jew or Gentile, the same body. You're in that area of 1 Corinthians. Turn over to chapter 12, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, can you, can, can you see why the Jews are a little hot under the collar? Can you see why they're trying their best to shut Paul up? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members, all the members of that body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether... We be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. An announcement and an illustration all at the same time. For 14 minutes and 47 seconds on Sunday morning in the adult Sunday school class, we're going to listen to Kai Kim. He has about a four and a half minute presentation where he is addressing you, just this church for giving to the project in North Korea. And then the remainder of it, some nine, nine and a half minutes of it, shows his first trip to North Korea and his second trip to North Korea. I sat with Kai Kim in a, in a Thai restaurant in Los Angeles. We finished eating. We had flown. We were worn out. 
First Thai restaurant I'd ever been in in my life. So it was all unusual to us. And we finished eating, and Ty looked down at his plate, and he began to weep. I said, boy, this is unusual. And I, I don't mean, I mean weep. And he began to tell me the story of the North Korean children. Dr. Sumter was with him at a missions conference this weekend. He sent that presentation. He sent us a picture that will hang in the back wall in the hallway for a few weeks for you to see. You remember our desire was to give them an egg a week, and now we're doing that every day. Our desire grew, and it grew, and things changed, and people began to give. And I told our teachers and teachers meeting, we're now feeding them one complete whole meal a day. Hundreds of kids. The thing that's going to shock you, as I was telling Brother Dowdy, the before and after. The first pictures, and you have to understand, he has a North Korean government escort with him right here, so he can't just take photo after photo after photo. But there's a picture of two children, and you could see the shape of the bones in their arms. They were starving to death. And then he has pictures of his last visit after we had joined hands with him trying to feed them. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. One day we're going to go to heaven. And in heaven, who had been formerly a North Korean kid, starving to death, is going to come up to some of the people in this church and hug you and say, you fed me when I was a dying kid. And that North Korean child is in the body of Christ. But don't think it's strange with that. Every mission field we can say that of. In fact, we'll walk down the streets of heaven and we'll see, I believe, one of the soldiers at least that crucified Jesus Christ. For he looked at him and he said, truly, this is the Son of God. There had been mass murders, Chuck Swindoll said in prison, for over, over a year before the man was, was, was killed, but was executed. One of the most notorious mass murders of our country, vile man, wrote and asked him for Bible information. And after months of working with him, he came to know Christ as personal Savior. Before he was executed, special arrangements in the prison were made for him to be baptized by immersion. He is a member of the body of Christ. Now, if you don't want to go to heaven with that kind of people, but see, that's what Paul is saying. Jews, wake up. Jesus came and you refused him. And now the mystery of the church is this. Barnabas and I have now been sent with the same gospel that was to you is now sent to them. And they're responding. In fact, the scripture says multitudes of Gentiles were saved and were added to the church. 
They were fellow heirs. They were the same body. The Gentiles are partakers of His promise, that promise in Christ. The Jews looked forward to the Messiah, but they wanted their Messiah. The one that was going to come and help them economically. The one that was going to come clean up politics. The one that was going to come be the military power. Not the one that was going to come and preach against their sins and bring conviction of their lost condition. And the Gentiles achieve this standing, how? By the gospel of Christ. The Gentiles are partakers of His promise. So the mystery Paul is preaching is the truth that the Jews and the Gentiles are made one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, a few pages away again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Begin in verse number 1, if you would please. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but ye, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, as I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Now let me tell you something tonight, church. Paul is dealing with an issue of prejudice if you are a prejudiced person, you better get over it before you go to heaven. If not, you better find a stump to go sit on somewhere in heaven. You're going to be out of place with it. On our prayer list tonight, you look at the ministries and things of our church. We pray for a spirit of unity. These verses that we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that there be no divisions among you, perfectly joined together. Now, the reverse side of the mystery is the fact that not only are all believers in Jesus, but that Jesus is in all believers. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of His glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So He's in every saint of God. He is our common ground. He is the unifier. He is the one element of the maker of us in one. And Jesus tonight should be bigger than any race, ethnicity, religious background, social status. All of those things are laid aside for Christ. Paul said in Romans, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you is, live peaceably with all men. He goes on to say, now I beseech you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Then he says in Philippians, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So before Paul can ever pray in Ephesians 3, he's sidetracked of saying, Listen, last week, you remember, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Forget the Romans, forget the Jews. I'm serving the Lord Jesus. And not only am I that, I'm a pioneer. I am, I am a first-generation missionary to the Gentile. You guys didn't want him. 
You guys rejected him. You guys were responsible for his being killed. And so heaven opened up the gospel to the Gentiles. Again, why, why they rejected Christ having for 700 years seen and heard prophecies that Christ was coming. And then Isaiah, as we read earlier on in the message tonight, Isaiah said that this will be one day given to the Gentiles. So even though it is a mystery all through the Scripture, God drops some massive hints that it's not just the Jew. It's all men. I'm so grateful that the Scripture says this. God is not willing that any should perish. And that wipes out every category of man. But that all, Jew or Gentile, pro-life or planned parenthood, old or young, intelligent or ignorant, all of that is wiped away. And Paul said, not only am I a prisoner, I'm a pioneer to give the gospel to the Gentile. Next week we'll come back and we'll look at the preacher in the rest of the chapter. Let's, let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for the evening. Help us now to be mindful of your word and what you've done, what you've said.